What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. Pleased to have you here joining us today on Thursday, June 10th, 2021. We are back in action. Last week, we talked about my school, Valparaiso University, and their search for a new mascot. We offered some suggestions, had a fun time. We also went live. So if you want to watch or listen to that, that episode is available in the podcast feed. And also on my YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Twitter is at Jack Vita Show and youtube.com slash Jack Vita. Uh, prior to that, we also had Gary Sheffield Jr. of Outkick.com here. We talked baseball a couple weeks back. Uh, does a great job over there at Outkick. Um, another great episode if you want to go back and check that out. Coming up, we have, I mean, well, we have a great one today, but in uh, we have a pretty exciting guest book over the next week or so. Sunday, I will be joined by Dario Medrano, uh, formerly on MTV's The Challenge and Are You the One? He played college baseball, so we'll be talking plenty of baseball. That'll be on Sunday evening. And then the following Sunday, Garrett Powell from The Bachelorette. He is a pro golfer, and we will be talking. He'll be back. He was with me last month. We spoke in May, beginning of May. Great guy. Uh, We'll be talking U.S. Open golf, of course, and plenty of baseball. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Uh, hit subscribe, and if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating and review. does a lot of good, but if you're subscribed, you won't miss out on any of these great episodes that we have coming up. Okay, but today, we have a really fantastic episode. At this time, I would love to welcome in our guest for the day. Now, this is a guy that I actually grew up watching on Baseball Tonight on ESPN. He called the World Baseball Classic, the Little League World Series. He's had a great broadcasting career. He's been with the Tampa Bay Rays for the last 10 years. Uh, This is year 11. He played Major League Baseball and actually led the Marlins in their inaugural year in home runs and RBI. So he held those records. Uh, And he's also the uncle of a regular on the Jack Vita show. This is Albert Destrade's uncle, Arrestus Destrade. How are you doing, Arrestus? I'm, I'm doing great. You know, the, the best part of that introduction, which was quite awesome, bro, by the way, buddy, thank <laughs> you very much, was that uh, that's the first time I've ever been introduced as, this is Albert Destrade's uncle, you know, <laughs> so he kind of takes the, 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 you know, the, the forward there. Uh, more so, and I'm very proud of that because I'm very proud of my nephew and the things that he's doing and in a multiplicity of ways in his life, uh, including his his, uh, very smart ways that he is about baseball and understanding it. But thank you for having me on, man. Uh, Jack, I've heard a lot about you again through Albert and uh, looking forward to talking some, uh, some ball with you. Absolutely, yeah, and this is great. So as I mentioned, I grew up in that era in the 2000s where baseball tonight, and I know some of the listeners might not remember this, maybe they're a little younger or they're uh, newer baseball fans, but baseball tonight was at one point a huge, huge show for ESPN. Uh, that show that was, was it. yeah. It was it. There, there yeah. was no MLB network, remember? In yeah. the uh, In the late... Uh, uh, 90s, as you got into the early 2000s, the, the MLB Network didn't show up until, goodness, they didn't show up until, I think, 2009, 2010. Yeah. So, 
you're talking, we cornered the market when it came to, you know, uh, uh, a dramatic kind of complex, creative, funny uh, show kind of encapsulating the night uh, that it was or, you know, the the, the games, uh, the 15 games or if it was, you know, lighter night. But uh, and it was a very well produced, very well run show. We had what ended up being uh, kind of like a three different uh, A, B and C teams. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the A team, obviously, you know, being Peter Gammons and the likes of uh, of John Crook and, and, and Carl Ravish. And, you know, then they would mix in myself and, and, a, and a handful of other guys, Jeff Brantley and you yeah. know, uh, in with the B and C teams. And we were popping around and, and uh, I did that for five years, man. And it was uh, it was outstanding. It really was. It was a little scary, Jack, because <laughs> uh, here's how they discovered me. You, I wasn't looking to be on baseball tonight, so <laughs> I'm I'm I, I'm just I just retired, um, and a friend of mine was good friends with Vince DiMoli, and he was the owner of the Rays. And I had yep. left. I'd gone back to Japan for for a second time, and played a couple more years after the strike of '94. And uh, when you were when you were born, by the way. Yeah, crazy. Uh, you're, you're 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 as we call in baseball, uh, you know, my my era, we call call you a young blood. You're a young blood. <laughs> um, but but uh, we, uh, I, I kind of you know, they they contacted me, Mister Namoli. Kind of this, I heard a lot about you, and uh, I think you'd be great for what we're trying to do here with establishing this new team. This is '98, right? And we right. just started this new team, and you played for an expansion team. This is you know, and I was living in Tampa at the time, so. It kind of worked out beautifully, and I spent a couple, three seasons just doing things for them in the community and, and, and trying to, you know, help promote this brand-new team in, in the major leagues in the, in the Central Florida area, both in English and in Spanish being, you know, bilingual. And, um, and I loved it. It was, it was great, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do for the long term. Um, I, I got the bug for wanting to do some broadcasting. So I got into radio initially, did some things down in Miami and went back home to Miami to do that. And then before you knew it, um, I got a call from, from, uh, uh, XM radio, which at the time was just XM. It wasn't serious XM and started doing their MLB deal. And, um, in 2004 or five, and they sent me to, 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 to Dallas one summer. I'll never forget. It was around this time in June. And they said, we want you to go to this, this, uh, this workshop. There's going to be a bunch of people there. And, you know, you, you represent us very well, both in English and Spanish. Because at the time, I was doing a Spanish show that I created called Solamente Pelota. And also doing their morning show with uh, Buck Martinez. And it was great. Loving it, right? And uh, I, go to, I go do this thing. And I give this talk, and these two guys come up to me, and they go, like, are you doing any TV? <laughs> and I go, no, no, I'm just doing radio. And it turns out that it was, it was uh, Fred Brown, one of the head guys from ESPN, happened to be at this thing, and he heard me at this, this seminar and give this kind of talk about sports and what I thought about sports and what I thought, you know, uh, an analyst should be and blah, blah, blah. And, and they said, yeah, we'd like to test you for – for baseball tonight i'm like you gotta understand that every former players are sending in reels and having their agents like call and knock on doors (laughs) the next week they were flying me up there 
and the next week, you know, I signed a two-year deal, and then I signed a three-year deal, and it was really, really crazy how all that developed, man. Yeah, it was that show. It was that show, and it was College Game Day. Those were like the shows, and Sports Center, of course, of uh, yeah. of ESPN oh, course, at the time. Center. Yeah, yeah, and it would be like every night in the summer, I would come home from playing baseball or whatever I was doing, playing golf. And I'd watch a baseball game, probably watch the Cubs game here in Chicago. And then uh, <laughs> that game would end. I'd flip on baseball tonight at 9 central time, and then it would lead into Sports Center. And it was so right. good. And I'm frustrated that it no longer exists on ESPN yeah. anymore. Yeah, it, it's, they have it, but it's like, I want to say that they do it a couple of nights a week, I believe. It's just Maybe on Sunday Sundays. Night. Yeah. Oh, is it just on Sunday now? Because, again, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm detached from it now for 10 years. Yeah. Um, what happened was, unfortunately, MLB Network came in and, and, uh, did a very nice job of bringing in such wonderful former players, you know, yep. and, uh, and, and they had all the insight and they have all the resources and everything pointed to, to help that, that network, right. From major League baseball that they kind of said to, even though they had a deal, and they were getting paid by by ESPN, you know, for the rights. Um, they're like, we're doing this, you know, just like NFL Network is doing this. <laughs> and the difference is, here's the difference. And I learned this, and you'll appreciate it as a broadcaster now in the industry. Yeah. Walking the halls of the campus, as we called it at ESPN, uh, I was taught very well by by guys like John Anderson and and uh, and, and Boomer. You know, they told me, you see all of this? Um, the only thing that matters, and I can say that now because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not there, so they can't <laughs> tell me whatever. They can say I didn't, they never said that to me. He goes, the only thing that matters is football. The only thing that matters is football, NFL, and college football. We can get rid of everything else that we cover, including baseball, basketball, you name it, soccer, you know, uh, uh, hockey, and the only thing that matters is football. So when the NFL network came in with their deal, ESPN was too strong to still lose a grip on their, their, you know, part of it. Right. Still a dramatic grip, right? Fox is taking a good little chunk. NFL network has their good shows, but it, you know, ESPN still has a strong grip on, on football. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And, 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 but not on the other sports. So when the likes of a MLB network came in and, and, and that, and that, you know, league throws in all the resources more so towards their, their beloved channel. Um, then in that sense, they lost. So they saw that since everything isn't football in the United States of America, I mean, it isn't the other sports. It's only really about football. Um, they lost the, the grip and, and within years, you, you know, you followed it. Within ten years, they just kind of let it go, and yeah. now they co- they cover it as they cover it, and they go and they have their their um, games of the week. They still have their games of the week, and are very important, and they do very well with those. But that's that's it. Yeah, and as a result, I don't watch ESPN anymore because they I want baseball. So <laughs> really? I, I've moved over to the MLB Network. That's what I, that's what happens. Well, you have to. And I can't, I showed why. I mean, I, I think the MLB Network shows are fantastic. Yeah. They've done a great job with it. Yeah. And so uh, you did the Little League World Series and you did the, uh, 
World Baseball Classic, did you have a preference over covering either of those events, or were they both the same amount of excitement for you? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> the Little League World Series was the most gratifying sporting event coverage for five years that I did, and it will probably never, ever be matched. Um, as much as, you know, like I've covered World Series uh, in Chicago, mind you, uh, covered the, I know you, you, you sound like you're a Cubbie, so I'm sorry to say that I covered the, <laughs> the, the, the White Sox World Series and not the, the, the Cubbies World Series. Damn, I should have covered that one. Didn't. Um, many other World Series that I've covered over the years, uh, it pales to the purity and simplicity and truly great storylines and wonderful things that was this, this, this crazy two weeks out of August uh, called the Little League World Series that, you know, brought in all these different uh, cultures, uh, you know, regions of the United States, but also internationally from Asia to, to you know, uh, Middle East. Uh, and, all, you know, it was just wonderful. And, and then these kids... You know, I, I got to know a lot of these kids in the way that I am. I'm a big, 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 you know, kids and education guy. So this this thing was glorious to me. Uh, the only problem with it was that it was like a lot, you know, it, it, it was, uh, what's that Bill Murray movie that, that he kept on doing uh, uh, the same thing every day? The uh, <laughs> Groundhog the, uh, Day. Groundhog Day. So it, it tended <laughs> to be Groundhog Day because it was two weeks and, you, you, you know, you went hard. We had like one day off on a Thursday. In fact, I created a, a karaoke day. They still, <laughs> to this day, they still have Big O's karaoke night on the off day at, uh, at, at, at the Little League World Series. But, um, but it was just, dude, it's almost like put it on your bucket list to go to the Little League World Series and, and go to Williamsport and to those fields and, and, get, and, and get back to what baseball really is about, which is just, you know that but uh the wbc was fun too because of my ties to japan and they won and my ties to cuba controversially you know and they lost yay and um <laughs> i hope you understand that yay uh and my uh <laughs> albert jr would understand that yay. And, and 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 then my ties to you know the latin countries the other latin countries dominican republic and 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 all that. So yeah, WBC is is, is, is is definitely kick ass. Sweet, yeah. And you never did uh, you never did the college World Series or softball, did you? No, no, no. Uh, Omaha was uh, that's got to be something pretty special too. No, never yeah. covered that. Yeah, well, it seems pretty cool. So you mentioned a little bit about Cuba. I know you came over here to the states as a young child. Uh, what was that like? I have to think it was pretty remarkable being able to escape uh, a communist regime and come to a free country. Yeah, again, um, I was six, uh, and all of that kind of started, you know, way before that, before I was born. But the bottom line is that um, at the time, my 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 dad was being looked at to be arrested and 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 take it in as a political you know as a contra uh, you know the as a castro regime and saying a few things and he wasn't really overtly out there you know standing on a pulpit but it, it was tumultuous times and 
And uh, I don't know if you know any further, but um, my, I was named after a great uncle that was in the Bay of Pigs invasion. So I was named after my great uncle Orestes, which is my grandfather's brother, my dad's uh, uncle. So he's my great uncle. And uh, my grandfather, Al Albert, passed away when my dad was young, uh, a boy. And this uncle raised, you know, his brother's family, as, as a lot of, you know, ethnic families will do and, and help out, right? So, so he was kind of like my grandfather. Well, long story short, he, he, he ends up, when Castle takes over in, 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 in 59 and, and, and uh, you know, tricks the United States and the world, you know, he, he, he gets trained by the, by the government to be one of those guys that was going to, you know, come in the Bay of Pigs invasion. He gets captured. Many of them die. And then he was uh, exiled from Cuba along with my great aunt. And, uh, and they landed in New York and they helped get many, 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 many people out throughout the years. So that was one of his kind of his, his things was to try to help families get out, including obviously most of our immediate family and, and my parents and my brother and stuff. So uh, we got out through Mexico, spent like three months in Mexico trying to get clear and, and, and get, you know, defected. And we finally did made it to New York. And my dad didn't really like New York much. Most of my most of my family was living in New York, uh, but we 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 went to we went to uh, Miami and and settled in Miami. So pretty much grew up in Miami after that, and uh, that's that's how that went. But uh, it was uh, so I have a a very you know difficult time with the, with the Cuban regime hmm. and 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 Cuban baseball, you know, because I think it's a uh, it's a veil, so to speak, you know, in, in, in essence, because yeah, they got great players. There's no doubt. The players are unbelievable. Right. But, right. but there's still, the oppression is, is dramatic and, and, uh, they're trying to get some, you know, they almost got, they almost got a deal back in 16 to be able to, to sell the players to, to the United States teams. Um, you know, using the excuse that all these players are trying to escape and they're, 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 they're it could cause, cause physical harm to themselves and they're doing all these weird things to try to get out when the reality is that they lose out on every dollar that these players are signing for once they defect from Costa Rica or Panama or, you know, wherever that they're not in the United, in, in the United States, nor obviously in Cuba. Wow. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people my age and, who have just grown up in the Ameri in in America? They don't understand how good they have it here and how how amazing this country is. Uh, that and also, uh, yes, I think the take it for granted scenario is uh, is one that needs to be addressed regularly. I think I think uh, it's just weekly. You know, <laughs> yeah. you should be reminded of what an incredible uh, opportunities and 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 what you know what we really just daily live with here, and then. Secondly, um, it's hard to do, Jack, but the stories of the different ethnicities, uh, I think, are important. And by that, I mean it's not just a Cuban plight that right. has been forgotten or maybe, you know, people have gotten calloused over understanding how, how just how bad that regime was. But, you know, what about the, the, the Jewish plight, you know, of, of how they got here, the, the Italian scenario you know yeah. and, and back you know maybe a hundred years ago when, when it was really really bad you know ellis island alone you know that that was uh, the people that were coming through here were coming through an oppressive 
scenario or nor the, or they wouldn't have tried to come through here you know right. so i think we forget quite often and because of the 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 incredible things that we've got every year and year out we're getting so much more technology and so much more things it almost it helps us to forget but, but we really shouldn't forget no, we should not. So, Arrestus, a couple other things I'd love to know about your career, and then we can get into some of the stories yeah. from Major League Baseball. Uh, you played with the Yankees, Pirates, and then you went over to Japan, and you basically right. did what uh, I think Cecil Fielder did it. He went over to Japan, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and yeah. Eric Thames recently, and Matt Moore I, it went over to, I think he was in Korea recently. Um, so you went over. Oh, Matt Moore went to Japan. Yeah, Matt Japan. Oh, he did go Japan. to Japan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Addison yeah. Russell is the one who went to Korea. That's I mixed it up. Right. Yeah, so you went over there, and I saw you won the home run crown for three years. Then you came back, and you played for the Marlins. And then, you, as you mentioned, you went back to Japan. How did you like playing over there in Japan? It sounds like it's a pretty cool. It. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Japan is uh, extremely viable for certain players. Uh, they call them on the bubble, or maybe a player that, that like a Matty Moore, that has had some success in the big leagues. But it kind of struggled for whatever reasons, you know, physical injury or, or something mental or whatever. And then, you know, a place like Japan will give you a respite, so to speak with, with, with a lot of money, you know, so you could kind of re-engage your career. Uh, or you like the majority, a lot of times is usually that 26, seven year old tweaker guy. Like I was, that was up in the big leagues, but you know, wasn't getting a chance to, to play regularly. And, and uh, so you're kind of like a 4A guy, and and yeah. and uh, Japan will take a chance. I was also right in the midst of a great experiment that ended up working beautifully for Japan, and still to this day is ongoing. And and that experiment for the Japanese was okay. So in the early in the in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, they were going and they were bringing in Davy Johnson and Roy White. And uh, Bill Madlock, that one you would <laughs> definitely remember because he yeah. was a former, you know, hero of the uh, Chicago Cubs days. But <laughs> right. those type of players, right? Reggie Smith, they were, but they were on the end of their career. They were 38, 39, and they had done, you know, whatever they were going to do. And they still had a little bit, but they had great names, right? And they would <laughs> right. Uh, go play over there as they were trying to, like, bring fans in, which really didn't make any sense. And, and that thing lasted maybe a decade for the Japanese uh, experiment. And they realized that they got nothing for these guys and they paid a top dollar, right? And, and Bob Horner went over there and a few other guys. So right around the end of the 80s, they, 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 they kind of like said, well, let's, let's try with these like bubble guys, right? And they ended up finding out that the best ones were the Hispanics, the Latinos. Why? because the majority of them already had come over to the United States and assimilated and had to get used to a whole nother country. Right. And yeah. they weren't doing really good with the white and black, uh, foray players coming over, um, that, that, you know, never left, you know, the United States of America, <laughs> not even to go play winter ball. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so we went over there and we were red carpeted cause you really are red carpeted and paid very well. We'll simulate. And, and another crazy, uh, crazy thing is that the Spanish language and the Japanese language 
are very similar. You're going to freak oh, out. Oh, really? But the, it, yeah, bro. Not the rest <laughs> of Asia. Not like, you know, Cantonese, you know, Chinese, uh, all yeah. Korean. They're all sing-songy. You know, da, you know, ni hao ma. No, <laughs> Japanese is pretty much phonetic. A-E-I-O-U. Arigatou gozaimasa. Doitashimashite. You know, and, and very similar. And some of the words, in fact, sound Spanish. So when I got over there, and so, so did a, bunch of, a plethora of successful Latin players that went over there. Um, <laughs> we, we were like, holy cow. So we kicked butt, and, uh, and I was hungry. I was 27. I said, this is it. If I don't succeed here for a year or two and then go back to the big leagues, you know, I'm in trouble. Well, one season turned into four for me. And, and, and then I, I only came back because it was the Marlins, to be honest with you. Every year I was asked by a different team, Cleveland, Baltimore, Detroit, you name it. They were asking, I was crushing the league. And, and I said, no, I'm, 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 I'm okay being a small fish in a big pond. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> and uh, and then, then the Marlins came, and it was my hometown team. and It was really hard to, to, to not, you know, go home and play for, in front of mom and dad and, in that whole situation. So, uh, but other than that, man, I loved it. But now you could like in anything in life, you know, you can move into a city and, and, uh, it just not be right for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I felt like I wrote, I, I went into the right city, the right team at the right time. We had a bunch of 27 year olds. It was really almost weird and coincidental that the stars of our team, we were all 27 years old. This guy by the name of Akiyama. In fact, our, our AKD, which is Akiyama Kiyohara Destrade, is a famed to this day scenario that uh, was the greatest in the history of Japan baseball three four five that's ever been. You know, and uh, we just we tore the league up, man. So it was a center <laughs> fielder that was could have played in the big leagues. He was just ridiculous. He was six two, about two oh five, just. He, he was, um, I, I don't know, Tory Hunter would be the best <laughs> comparison that I would take with Akiyama. In fact, it's a great comparison. Never thought about it before, by the way. Tory Hunter. <laughs> no, I mean, I thought of other players, but then right. it just dawned on me. Who we really, you know, body-wise, <laughs> Tory Hunter. And you know how good Tory was. Oh, um, of course. And then you had this first baseman, because I DH predominantly, who was 6'3", ended up with over 500 home runs in his career by the name wow. of uh, Kiyohara. 6'3", 215, you know, and then I was 6'4", 230. These were not little, you know, uh, Akinori Iwamura players. These were, <laughs> these were, AKD were studs, and the league just was feared us, bro. And, and we won back-to-back-to-back the uh, Japan Series titles and uh, beat the famed uh, Tokyo Giants. Uh, because we were in the Pacific League, they're in the, they're in the Central League. It's like Ameri- the American League would be the Pacific right. League. The National League, which no ADH at the time, uh, would be the Central League. And and the the Giants had like two or three twenty game winners that year, and they were just studs. And and we went to the series and we swept them, and I was MVP <laughs> of that series. And it was like, oh my god! So that started a a three year run for us like nobody's business we just ran through ran through the leagues so then i came back because of miami that's it i was having so much fun over there it wasn't even funny 
Well, did you ever cross paths with Ichiro in Japan? Oh, yeah. My last game ever as a professional, my last game was uh, was against Ichiro's uh, was against Ichiro's team. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah, back in uh, 98, uh, he was tearing the league up. He was like in probably like in the, the fourth year of his seven-year batting title run. So he, he played over there for seven years and he won the batting title seven straight years. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know, Tony Gwynn, Vince Coleman, and uh, and Wade Boggs all put in, all put together over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. I'm not kidding you because people forget right. how fast I, I I put in Vince Coleman because people really forget how fast Ichiro was, and yeah. so so if you can imagine Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs with the speed of Vince Coleman because Vince Coleman was never the hitter those two guys were right. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it, now you're in another. That's Ichiro. That's another stratosphere of a hitter. You know, you know Rod Carew with that speed, and Rod Carew was pretty swift, but not Ichiro swift. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm trying to think of other you know, Don Mattingly with that speed. Yeah, that, that's what that's what we were dealing with, you know. Um, and uh, he, he, so yeah, so my last game as a professional was was uh, he was still you know he was just I had come back to Japan and he he had come into the league. I came back in '95 and uh, and he had just started out you know being this ridiculous stud yeah and uh soon thereafter when when he came to the major leagues and and i was asked i was already starting to do some broadcasting by then right i was dabbling myself into broadcast this was what 2001 um uh they asked me and i said he um people don't realize what this is you know i said uh, you're you're going to be this this trend this guy transcends being a Japanese or American baseball player or, or major league baseball player, Japanese, he's in another stratosphere. I knew it before he played game one that he was going to be what he ended up being, which is a hall of famer in both sides. And, um, uh, which nobody's ever, think about it. Those are, these are the top two best leagues at the in the game of baseball. And he's going to be in the hall of fame in both of them. That's wow. That, that's, yeah. You, first of all, you got to play enough tenure of time <laughs> to warrant being in the Hall of Fame in both, right? So you just can't be like two or three years in one and then and then be a star <laughs> for 20 in the other. No, 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 no. Like, like you see like in the NBA, for example, where you see some great European player, but he'll play two or three years over there. Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Arvidas Sabonis might. Did, 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 did he ever make the, uh, the Hall of Fame here? Do you uh, think he would? I don't. I mean, it's he's the... definitely over there. I mean, it's just the basketball Hall of Fame, so that all the foreign players are in there as well as the national uh, players oh, well, and the college true. players. That's true. I didn't think about that because they, they they just have it. It's the basketball. Yeah. yeah. See, the Japanese have their own Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and, and it, yeah. So so this guy, it was sick, and I said he's going to be Rookie of the Year, hands down. I I quoted that. I, I didn't foresee MVP and <laughs> Rookie of the Year, <laughs> but I said he'll be Rookie of the Year because he's not even a rookie. I mean, this guy's in a, in a yeah, it's, he's like he's in another level. And I love yeah. him. Um, when you play, when you're a regarded star in Japan, just so you know, and this is a good thing for you to know, when you're a regarded 
super superstar in Japan and you retire, okay, uh, what they do is if you're just an everyday player, you know, you just that's your last game and don't make mention of it, that's it. But when you're a regarded player, they literally make that game into a ceremony about you, okay? And the best player on the other team meets you at home plate and you exchange shirts, bats, and things like that with, you know, and you're the regarded player retiring, you know, and you give them your stuff. So, well, you know, I've got, you know, video and stuff like that of this great exchange with this little skinny dude from, from uh, Kobe, you know, from Osaka. So we were playing at his stadium. And, uh, and, and that was pretty neat, you know, that it, it ended up being Ichiro. And, and that years later, he's, you know, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players ever in the history of baseball. Yeah, he was, he was incredible. He was great. All right. So, Arrestus, we got some headlines here from the world yeah. of Major League Baseball here in the year oh, 2021, man. the week of, yeah. this is June 10th right now, we're talking. I'm going to turn it over to you to explain the foreign substance crackdown that's going on in Major League Baseball because what we essentially what we have going on right now is the What's league... What's your thought? Give, give me your thought on it for, okay. for a quick second. I, 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 you know, you've, been, you've been following this. As obviously as I. Give me your thought. Okay, so I think that it's a situation where it sounds like a a large majority of the pitchers are using it. Uh, Somewhere in the ballpark between, I heard a number like 80 to 90% of Major League Baseball players. And for those who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, using a some type of illegal substance uh, to not only grip the baseball, but to also get to increase their spin rate, to get more breaking on their pitches. And now there are a number of different substances that have been talked about, whether it's Vaseline or some kind of sunscreen or what have you. It's, it's really interesting because I've noticed this over the past year, really over the last year, it's like, it feels like it's never been more obvious. Like I was watching you Darvish uh, last week out in San Diego. He kept going to the glove and he kept pressing his fingers up against something in his glove. And then Craig Kimbrell has had this big splotch on the top of his head, like the bill of his cap. Every, every single pitch in between pitches touches the splotch, touches the back of his hat. It's something that has really just become something that everyone seems to be doing. And right now what we have in Major League Baseball is we are having the lowest batting averages that it seems we've ever had in the history of the sport, at least in the live ball era. And we want more balls in play. We want more offense. And so what's really interesting is Major League Baseball has basically come out and said that they're going to they had I don't believe I could be wrong I don't believe they have an exact plan in place and when it will especially go into and be implemented but it sounds like they're going to do some form of checking the pitchers uh regularly as they come yeah, off the mound yeah uh-huh. and um we don't know when that could start but it's something Very that soon, could be by the way from yeah. what I've heard what I've yeah. heard is within the, within the next couple of weeks yeah, within the next couple of weeks. Uh huh. Well, you yeah, you encapsulated that very well. I mean, okay, good. That, that's what's going on. <laughs> so you're going from PEDs, you know, uh, from from what is considered not to be as uh, 
an issue anymore. And even though, you know, there, there, there's a, there's still some of that being, sure. being found, um, to, um, to something that's been around now for quite a while. And, and I, I'm going to say it's been around for a while, but now it's kind of been found out because and the reason that it's found out, it's, it's, in, it's, it's interesting. And the reason it's found out is I don't believe it's because of, you know, the immensity of strikeouts and how, and how all, you know, the, the, the averages are going down. It's really been because sabermetrics has been coming in and, and the computer world of understanding the statistics, you know, and the, and the graphs of things have kind of come in and made a big issue of certain pretty neat things, right? So, for example, exit velocity off of a bat. Exit velocity was not, never talked about three, four years ago. Yeah. I find it. I find it fascinating, you know, to know that um, Stanton, you know, hit one 121 miles. Yeah, that's just crazy, <laughs> right? So then you jump into this one statistic that's pretty interesting, and that is the spin rate of a baseball. And more and more and more over the last few years, you've been covering it, right? It, yep. It's just been more exploited and more interesting. At times, it was more of a just like, oh, this guy's pretty Mac Daddy. His spin rate's at this level. When well, then you start figuring out how the heck are they getting this spin rate so high, you know? <laughs> and that's the math. So here, here's the thing with it: the 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 sticky substances are not used for. Um, well, let me explain it. For fastballs. You cannot make your spin rate faster with using your actual fingers. You can't do any type of exercises or things to, to speed up your spin rate. You either you have the spin rate that God gave you, or and that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, case in point. Case in point. When you're a kid and you're playing catch with whomever, right? Some friends of yours, and I totally remember this. And you were playing catch, and what, what was the phrase that was used a lot by, by somebody? Holy cow, you have a heavy fastball. That guy <laughs> has a heavy fastball. And, and that was like, it would come up on you, right? That spin rate, it was never known as a, as a mathematical scientific scenario. But little Johnny on the other side of you, you know, <laughs> 80 feet away, just had a natural spin rate better that when he released the ball, his fingers and the way that he released it better than the average other Johnny, the ball would spin. So what does that do? It will actually stay flatter and truer, you know, perpendicular to the ground to reach you. So it feels heavier when the other Johnny throws the same ball, even if it's at the same speed, here's the craziness at the same speed, it would eventually kind of die because the spin of it would die out. And by, by the same speed, don't, don't lose me. Same speed, I mean, <laughs> where if you were jugs gunning like two-thirds of the way in. Remember, because when you, you do it like a, like a cop would get you with a, with a speed gun, with a jugs, you were speeding, he's getting you, you know, a, 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 a farther back. So then he catches up to you, says, back here. So that's how he's getting. So a pitch at 94 will die out to regular Johnny when it reaches you or the catcher. And the pitch at 94 for the other Johnny, because of his natural spin rate, will stay 94 all the way to your chest almost. So that's what the, 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 the kind of the angle, the idea that 
the ball is rising. It never rises. It's impossible for scientifically for a ball to rise um, unless you're throwing it underhand like like right. a like a submarine ball. guy. Yeah, yeah, a submarine or or the fast pitch softball like in yeah. softball, you can make a ball rise because it's it's at a different level. But thrown anywhere from three quarters to overhand, you can't make a ball rise. It's impossible. But you can make it go straighter. So then a hitter is going to swing right under that. So that's the beauty of that. You could throw a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, but your 94 has greater spin rate, and it's gonna, the guy's going to miss it all the time. Think of Ian Kennedy. Think of uh, Nick uh, Anderson, our guy. They don't throw 100. They throw 93 to 95, but their spin rate's dramatic, and, and the ball stays true, and you swing under it, and it's like, it, it's like a magic. You're looking at it and go, how the heck did you miss that? Okay, that's how you missed it. So when you're saying all that, so the, 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 it's imperative for you to get better spin rate. So when you do the math, Jack, that you cannot quicken your spin rate. Now, you can be taught by a pitching coach, yourself, practice, to better your curveball because there's a, there, there's a uh, what do you call it? You can pressure your finger better. You can learn how to, how to snap that um the grip on on the the lace right now you're creating the snap the spin now it's a tighter slider it's a tighter curveball impossible to do on a fastball so the only thing that can help it is is a another like entity another source which is uh something sticky that creates that friction to be able to get the spin backwards. So, so I just want to make sure that, that you understand the, and, and yeah. the listeners understand, this is not about breaking pitches. Yeah. This is really more so, I mean, not that they're not going to take advantage of it for breaking pitches also, you know what I mean? Right. But it's really dramatically about a fastball, you know, over, overwhelming hitters nowadays, okay? And, and, yeah, guys are using it. They're cheating. I don't know what to do with it because here's the problem that I see. You have... You go from PEDs. So what are the worst egregious things over the last 50 years of baseball? If you, if you literally go backwards, it's cheating at the level that Houston did. Yeah. Right. right? And, and, and who knows if other teams might have. So that, uh, that incredibly, like, super cheating, right? It's PEDs, and it's like maybe, I guess, gambling you know, or, or, or fixing games, you know, in that could have happened. Okay. So this, I don't know if it falls in that realm to bother, you know, the United States of America and its people. <laughs> right. Cause they're going to be like, man, eh. you know, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to, it's funny. And I don't mean to use the word, because it happens to do with, with the pitch, but I don't think it's going to get the traction that you need in, in order to, to, to get enough people aghast about Garrett Cole using this. Hitters are not going to get enough empathy, you know, about, about this. But does it need to be fixed? Yeah. How do you fix it? So, so you tell me, Jack. I'm a pitcher coming out, and you're you're the um, your head head crew chief umpire. And you come out, and you notice that I've got a little bit of something, or you notice that what, what, what I don't know what exactly the penalties are going to be. Am I going to lose a start? I guess, and if they catch me again, then they can suspend me. I I don't know. I I think it's going to be tricky to 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 impose uh you know things on this. 
Yeah, it's going to be tricky. I had heard that it could potentially be two starts, so a 10-game suspension. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do think whatever it is, we're going to see these guys on the be- on their best behavior, at least over the next couple of weeks, as they figure this thing out. I think it's really fascinating that this is happening in the middle of the season because we typically see these things coming out of the winter. And to the MLB league office's credit, I know – some people are going to be hard on the league office, and maybe I've been hard on them in the past for certain decisions that they've made. But, I mean, they had to they had to get this season played. They had to get last yeah. season played. There were much higher priorities than this right. thing. Um, right. So it's interesting to see them moving so swiftly on this. It could be a little messy over the course of the season. Maybe it's a little cleaner next year. But I, I think I, I'm overall happy that they're doing something about it. Well, but then it's also timely that a CBA is coming, too. Yeah. So, remember, you know, the league is thinking, okay, so we're going to leak this out now that we're going we're gonna to be, you know, we're going to not leak it, but, I mean, we're going to come out and say we're going to fight this thing. You're right about getting the seasons going, right, because it's important with all the COVID things and all the other things that we were concerned yeah. about. Um, but now it's interesting and, and curious that that's going to be, you know, one of their battlegrounds, you know, come – the CBA and kind of yeah. charge the players and, you know, yeah. and, 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 and where their stance is going to be on that. And, and by the way, one other thing I'll tell you, yes, a thousand <laughs> more strikeouts than ever in the history of an April in, in, in major league baseball. Right. But remember, not only this, this spin rate stuff, but it's travel ball. and it's funny that yeah by that i mean we're in a new era of young okay so you know every every few years you turn you turn over the launch angle bro yeah the launch angle is atrocious and the launch angle is crushing um hitters and and the thought of of how they, they they really you know strike the ball is 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 terrible so when you mix those two, yeah, of course you're going to have a 236, you know, MLB batting average right now, which is the worst, you know, at, at this point in the season ever. Absolutely. So it's bad. You will have to. You have me on one day. We'll just talk solely hitting, and I'm going to tell you <laughs> right. why the launch angle is the worst thing ever. But I'm also we're going. You're going to have me on one day, and I'm going to explain to you why I believe the sabermetrics. Here it is. Has nothing to do with baseball and trying to win games and trying to get ahead of the, you know, ahead of the other team and everything. And, and the owners and the new owners, the new type owners bringing in all these MIT guys has nothing to do with trying to win games and everything to do with winning at arbitration mm. and watering down, watering down as guys get to arbitration and trying to control the statistics so they don't crush, get crushed in arbitration. And then because everybody thinks it's about free agency and it's not about free agency, it's about arbitration. The biggest mistake that major league owners made was way back when is uh, agreeing to arbitration. Cause then, you know, slyly those, right. you know, the guys from way back when the Donald Fuhrer's actually was before Donald Fuhrer. It was, um, goodness. Um, uh, the great lawyer for MLB, you know, before that, 
uh, you know, they implemented arbitration, slightly put it in there. Hey, how about, you know, for the young guys, you know, after three <laughs> years, you know, we can, why? Because they didn't see that, that, you know, a, a four, a, a three year guy going into his fourth year, all he has to do is compare himself to the best player in the world. And if he had 30 home runs and the best player had 30 home runs and he had 90 RBIs, and the best player had 90 RBIs and the best player is making 8 million, 10 million. Well, my 3 million is uh, to a neutral arbitrator. He's going to go, yeah, you win. And that's what ended up happening and happening and happening and happening. Now we're looking at $20 million arbitration rulings. And, and then where are you going from there when you go into, 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 um, into free agency? So when all of that comes together, buddy, they created a plan years ago to say, how do we slow this down? Because they're very, very smart, they, or they wouldn't be billionaires. How right. do we slow this down? And it's the likes of, of, you know, let's put 18 guys on one side of the field and we know that that's where the guy hits it. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're going to control batting averages. You're going to control situations. You're gonna, let's, let's say that a, a guy can't pitch after, you know, he's faced a lineup twice. Oh, it's just because less chance that he's going to get a win. He's going to get a no decision and you spread out the wind. Let's have us opener. So then the bulk guy doesn't get, you know, can't go to arbitration going, well, I had 33 starts. No, no, you didn't. So we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> yeah. Talk you about, just opened up. Yeah. Oh, just opened up real. a can of worms with that. It I mean, is. I know the it's, Rays it's have definitely maxed out on Rays, Oakland. Yeah. It, it, it protects the it, it protects the, the, those teams that supposedly again supposedly are the lower third lower half of of the thirty. You know, though though there's not a team in the major leagues that's worth less than a billion dollars, is there? So no, you know, yeah. I think they're doing I think they're doing okay. Yeah, no, I see a lot of those Luis Patino outings where he goes four and two thirds, and I'm just like, really, <laughs> right? really? You can't. Right? I mean, I think he could have got, gotten one more guy yeah, out. One but, okay. Out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't think no because that was the third time you're going to see that guy. No, it's, it's a two run lead. You know. Yeah, bro. Terrible. So earlier this week, Arrestus Tony Larusa past John McGraw as the second winningest manager in Major League Baseball history with 2,764 wow. wins. Uh, he's got a career winning percentage of 536. He's never going to pass Connie Mack. Connie Mack had, I mean, he man, it was an entirely different era. He managed the games yeah. wearing a suit. and yeah. um, But Tony La Russa, I was listening to a couple of your former colleagues discussing this the other day. Buster Olney and Tim mm-hmm. Kirchin. Love Buster. And Tim. Yeah, Buster was saying that he believes Tony La Russa is the greatest manager of all time. Mm. I, You know what? I, I got to say that uh, he's definitely top three or four in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he is such a strategist. And, and uh, I think great managers are not only have to win you know, a, a lot of games, but, but also know how to lead men, you know what I mean? Or women, depend, you know, whatever sport you're playing in. Right. Uh, but great managers, great head coaches, I, I separate them as knowing the game inside out, the strategy of the game, of course. But when you're at the level of, 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 the, you know, of major, major sports, basketball, football, hockey, um, 
the difference of said player, I give it. I usually say it's is a is a plus ten plus you know plus or minus ten, you know percent of what you know that guy's going to average twenty five points. That's what you know. That's what it be. If that guy's going to hit two eighty and eh, plus or minus ten, you know he might hit two fifty one year. He might hit three ten one year, but you know pretty much he's going to be in that realm. So you know what you're getting. You know what your superstar. Now it's squeezing out more from that guy and that's where being a great leader and then LaRusso was that type because he could get along with everybody you know nobody disliked yeah. Tony and and that's uh that's an important trait along with you know the strategy and, and all the other things that come into it but um yeah I have to say that he's one of the greatest man uh I, I think um uh, I think he's phenomenal as far as managers that I've had you know what I mean um uh, I, I think I, the guy, my guy in Japan, manager Mori, was was uh, one of those great ones too. He won, you know, he ended Ooh. up, uh, yeah. So, so it's the same type, you know, as a guy that wasn't a superstar player himself, you know, in his day. Nor, nor nor was Tony, but but very the strategy and also the leading of men and the leading of yeah different personalities in your locker room because your 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 team takes on the personality of that manager. And if it's and if it's a feisty pain in the butt guy, then it's not going to be a fun team. But if it's a good, calm-headed, you know, guy that gets along with everybody, you, you see the difference. And that's why I think this like there's such a group think around the sport right now that Tony Larusa's too old, he can't hack it, the game's passed him by, and like you know, hey, maybe he he handled a couple of things. Maybe not the best way that a manager should, but if you look at the results, this team's in first place. Exactly. They're 37 and 24. They've had more injuries than really any other team yeah. aside from the key, Dodgers. Key injuries. I mean, big boys, right? The, the center fielder, the left fielder. Goodness. Yeah, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, Adam Engel. So they basically went the first two months without their starting outfield. That's right. I forgot about Engel. Yeah, Ingle, then uh, Magical and Anderson were on the DL. Looks like Magical got hurt again last night. Their bullpen's been nicked up, and they're winning this division by a considerable margin. They have a four-game lead over Cleveland right now. They have the best run differential in the AL century, or in all in all of baseball, I should in say. All baseball. The plus yeah. plus eighty-six run differential. Uh, this team, I mean, at this point right now, I don't think it's crazy for me to say that Tony Larusa. Uh, whether you want to give it to Tony Larusa or Kevin Cash, I think those are your AL Manager of the Year candidates. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, Larusa by far because of the what, what he's doing and taking a, a White Sox team that yeah they were you know over the last two or three years they systematically have been trying to position themselves you know here you know with, with, without Tony Larusa they've done a one a fine job of of, of putting pieces. Uh, then Tony comes in and, and he's and again he's moving these pieces and and motivating. The biggest thing, man, I find at, at this level is the motivation. Why? Because there's a lot of money, you know, being thrown around all over the place. So so money's not a factor. You're not playing like in the '60s and the '70s and even the '80s where where a player is playing for money motivation. Like I I need to I need to kick butt because I'm not going to get that big contract. You know if I don't. These guys, even the young players, are coming in with some pretty fat contracts. So, so to, to be able to motivate these guys, and what I say with baseball is harder than any other sport, Jack, and you would agree, 
is that it's the day to day to day to day to day grind because oh, yeah. if you're not at at least 80 to 90%, you know, you're not always going to be at a hundred percent. Maybe you get to a hundred percent because you've got your rivals coming in. You've got the, you know, the Cardinals are coming in, you know, or, or, you know, something like that. But other than that, you've got, you know, uh, the, the Colorado Rockies coming in, you know, and you need to be at least at an 85 night. That, that that's the key to, to the leadership that I think the Rays have had now for ever since Joe Madden to be candid with you, you know, right. so the Rays have been feeling this mantra and this, you know, feeling for a decade now. And, and, uh, and then La Russa brings that in just, he just, he just does, you know what I mean? They had it in St. Louis and they even had it at Oakland. And then he, he brings it back to Chicago to the White Sox. So, um, this is this is real, and and this is a guy to be respected. I I, I will say that baseball is one of the, the the coaching jobs that I think you can be older and and hold down. You can think of Jack McKeon. You can think of uh, a, yep. a, a, a myriad of, of of older guys that have had success. You know, uh, Sweet Lou, the Lou. You could think of uh, Dusty Baker and and the successes that yeah. Dusty's having. You know, uh, so. Uh, it's because, you know, it's a type of sport that the manager itself, even though it's a day-to-day-to-day-to-day grind, you know, it's a little more sedentary kind of sport. Uh, football, there's, a, there's just so much aggression and things tied to being a head coach in the NFL <laughs> right. that I think you need to be like 40. I don't even think you could be 50. <laughs> I'm telling you. you got to be young, man. I, I take my hat off the B.A., uh, to Bruce Arians every single day because I'm a huge fan of the Bucks and and what 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 that what that man is being able to do because the pressures and all of that you know are tough. Uh, basketball, it's a tough one too. I mean, you're physically getting up and you do you know and the things that you're doing. So I'm talking about the physicality of it. I, I think baseball is one that you can kind of you know uh, you regard your coaches a lot more. You you lean on them probably a lot more than in other sports and um and and uh, more power to Tony La Russa, man yeah and I'm getting older every day so damn skippy <laughs> <laughs> no this whole thing it fires me up because I it seems like the predominant narrative that I hear all the time is just like I keep hearing that oh he can't hack it anymore and it's like well what's the team doing and they say oh well they're win- it, he has no nothing to do with this team's success um, and I'm just like I, I don't I don't understand. I look at the results. The team's playing great. He deserves some credit. Now, is he taking at bats for these players? No. But at the same time, um, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you know, Buster and Tim were talking on the pod, and they were saying that this is a Baseball Tonight podcast. They were saying that his greatest strength, and this is what uh, Kirchin, I'll give him credit. He was saying that Larusa, out of any manager he's seen, he thinks Larusa is the absolute best at maximizing on a player and pushing the right buttons, yeah, putting them in the exactly. best position to succeed. He's only been managing this team for two months. Imagine where this team is later in the summer and he figures the best way to get Yohan Moncada going. Or maybe it's Dylan Cease or Lucas Giolito because Giolito's been off to a slow start. I mean, this team's been winning with some of their better players struggling and with a lot of players injured. I, I totally agree. And and uh, that, that, that what... Um... Uh, Tim Kircher said is, is 
hit the nail on the, on the you know, it's managers that can maximize your players on a day to day to day, because um, this is this game is a grind, and and that's why you know I'm a big fan of of, of Joe Madden uh, for that, and and um, and again Joe's in a difficult situation right now. In, yeah, it's in just a Angels, bad team. It's not. Honest. I don't think it matters who's managing team. that team. You know, there's not there's not there's not much you can do. I mean, a manager's still in the end, Jack, only as good as you know, talent that, yeah. that, that you are given. This isn't, you know, this isn't Rudy and, and some, you know, some, you know, some little you know, movie about, <laughs> uh, you know, a team that could, a little engine that could. This is the major leagues, you know. So, yeah, he's not, you know, he's, he wasn't given a whole lot, and he knows it, and, and, he's, and he's cultivating that because they, they brought Joe back in there for the long haul, not for some, some quick strike. Right. Um, you know, so it, it'll, it'll work out with Joe in the end, but, um, I, I just think that's a, and I think the White Sox, we, we got them coming up, uh, soon. I can't Ooh. remember one, but I know we got them in the schedule. If you look it up, I don't have it in front of me right now. Do you now. know if it's a home but or an away? Uh, I'll tell you right now, but it, it is coming up. We finally get to see the, the, the exciting White Sox coming up, man, because I've been wanting to. That's, I've been looking forward to. I mean, to, those to are. Them. Yeah, that's my opinion. I mean, well, it's not even a hot take. Those are the two best teams in the American League right now. I mean, it's. The, oh, hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah, because you've got you've got the West that are you know you, you've got Houston and and, and obviously um, um, Oakland. Uh, Oakland are playing solid baseball, but they, they don't scare me. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're 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 at all. So. Chicago is extremely intriguing to me, and we have them at Chicago, homie. So <laughs> it is coming up. Shoot, I've got this Baltimore series, and then uh, and it's Chicago for three. Uh, you need to pop over there and, and, and catch my boys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be in the studio because we're not traveling. Oh you know, yeah, with the team these days, but yeah. yeah. But we've got we've got um. We've got Chicago for three, and then um, a long four-game home uh, uh, road trip uh, over with Seattle. So it's uh, Chicago, Seattle. And I'm so, gonna yeah, think- yeah, eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So um, send me send me a picture from from uh, <laughs> from the White Sox Stadium there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there. yeah. By the way, I have a I have a a real like connection with and. Uh, and and I saw him the last time that I saw him in person was was there at the stadium when we went to play them. I want to say it was like three years ago before he passed away. But I'm real tight with you know the only other uh, Orestes uh, to play in the major leagues by the name of Mini Minoso. Oh wow! Uh, I don't know if you knew that. No. Maybe I maybe I stumped you. <laughs> you didn't know that. You did. You got you being me. a Chicagoan. You being a Chicagoan and and a lover <laughs> of all things Cubs and White Sox. I'm assuming. No, um, no, no, no. It's actually. I mean, it's big here. It's cultural. It's like you're either North Side or South Side. And I'm trying to right now. So I'd say sorry to not to get sidetracked, but at this point, no, no, no. I told Albert this. I feel like I graduated from fandom after the Cubs won the World Series. It was my senior year of college. Like I'm gonna be covering uh-huh. this sport, 
And now I, I'm more of a, an observer uh, with that tries right. to remove myself and not be as biased. And so with that, I, I try that's to important, by the way. Yeah, I try to tell I, the I Chicago people yeah. that it's okay to root for other teams in the city of Chicago. Yeah. You don't have to dislike right. the other side of the city. Well, yeah, well, dude, it's a little tricky, man, because I've been in a cab in that place and said the wrong side. You know, you know, hey, so you're you're a you're a Cubs fan? Get out of my cab. <laughs> hey, you're a White Sox fan? Get out of my cab. So, yeah, so e- either or. You guys, are, that doesn't even happen in New York. I mean, Yankee fans will be like, oh, so you're a, you're a Mets fan? Nah, man, I'm a Yankees fan, so you're just enough of that, all right? You know, man, but they won't throw you out of the cab. <laughs> you Chicago people are harsh. When oh, it yeah. comes to north side, south side. Yeah, it's it's Man. pretty wild. It's weird. It's- no, but anyway, o- Orestes Mini Minoso, one of my beloved, you know, Cuban hero legends. I have two. Uh, I've had three. Uh, one of them passed away. Well, two of them passed away now. Uh, Miguel Cuellar pitched for the Baltimore Orioles, a big, big fan of his. Um, I have I have many because uh, all Cuban guys and my yeah. God and my love of Cuban Cuban lore and Cuban baseball, Chico Fernandez and and Cookie Rojas was a mentor of mine. But but uh, like soft spots, you know Miguel Cuellar. Um, one of the reasons I love Miguel Cuellar is because he looked exactly like my father. I mean, oh. it's like they were like they were like doppelgangers. And uh, and then um, um, Louis Tiant to this day Louis text me almost regularly hey, because he has, I'm going to have to have Louis on your show one day. Oh, he, sweet. He will, yeah. You will love it. Yeah. Can you imagine having Louis Tian and he has a great <laughs> uh, accent and, and he has a high, high voice. Oh, I about what I was pitching with uh, the white guy with the, with the, with the Minnesota. And, and, uh, he's great. And his English is great. You would, you would love having him on. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll take anyone. That'd be but, great. But, yeah, exactly. But the other one, is uh, Orestes Mini Minoso because of the, as we call in Spanish, it's called Tocayo. Tocayo means you share the same name, Tocayo. Mm. Um, and and uh, he was, you know, my Tocayo. And, and whenever I saw him, he was just so gracious to me. And, and again, one of these, you know, legends of, of, of baseball, man. Oh man, that's those are some sick connections. So uh, I know you got to run here pretty soon, but yeah. we we didn't mention, we failed to mention, we're an hour in. The Rays have won 20 of their last 25, and this is a team crazy, crazy, that, crazy. by the way, I know I know you work for the Rays, so you weren't sleeping on yeah. them. I have taken an affinity to the Rays. I watch them so often just because I'm always fascinated with, with what they're doing. Um, I yeah. picked them to win the AL West, or sorry, the AL East. Um, I would have been crazy to pick them to win the AL West. I mean, that would be. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty impressive. <laughs> but no, uh, people said, I mean, they were projected to finish third. Um, they are shocking the world once again. And at some point, the rest of the country, the the national stage, people got to respect the Rays and understand that this is this is a great team. Yeah, it's a great team. It's a great uh um, core of, of in, in the in the offense, you know, they really didn't change much. I, I, one of the reasons I think they went, people went to third, was because uh, the Blake Snell issue, and and you know, it was ugly, and and they, you know, it pretty much Blake was going to get traded, even if that game six and the whole debacle with that mess up what happened. But uh, he was already having issues with 
with, with the organization. Thank you. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I feel like I hear all the time from baseball fans like, oh, that ba- when, when that happened, that relationship could never be healed. No, and they were, it, was, it yeah. was before that. It was, it, they were already having issues um, with Blake with reference to, you know, usage and, and, and things. I mean, all season long and even the season before. So, so even when they won the World Series and he would have gone ahead and finished that game, he obviously should have. We can't. We don't need to get in and, and tear that apart again. <laughs> right? But, no. 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 Uh, so we'll leave that for some other time because I do have some interesting thoughts on that. But Ooh, okay, uh, it, it, it is that he was going to get traded because he just, they, they, you know, the one thing that this organization is about is that they, they like the stability and the, and, the, and the kind of the I said mantra before, and that was established by Joe Madden and Kevin Ke- uh, Kevin Cash has gone and, and kind of molded his own way. And it's a fantastic way. He's another manager, young manager that gets along with everybody, easy to talk to, but it still has a stern side. And um, their pitching coach is phenomenal. You know, they had a great pitching coach before too, but Snyder now, you know, is is uh, is fantastic. Um, so every aspect they have it covered. And on top of that, one of the things that they've really done resource-wise is maybe not spend so much on free agents, but they spent a lot on international signings they spent a lot on having the best scouting uh and that costs money believe it or not that's the inter you know the inside of the game where you know you you, you buy poor kind of signing the best scouts so the best scouts give you the best you know uh coverage and the best uh looking at which trades you want to make and look how look how successful they've been in their trades over the last let's say eight or nine trades they've made over the last three or four years uh, fantastic trades, right? Um, and and then the development has been much better. In fact, I kind of would, would, you know, was on them, even on the air, years past, in lack of development for hitters. They were developing pitchers left and right for, for the last 10 years. But for a while, you know, it wasn't until about three or four years ago that now you're seeing them develop hitters, okay? So now in the upswing, you've got Vidal Buhan coming up, You've had guys like Brasso, Lau, you know, Lowe, who, who you sent off to Texas, uh, you know, a, a, a plethora of, of hitters that came through their system now. Now I'm really happy because you're matching, you know, this great pitching prowess you've had in development. Um, keep an eye on, obviously, I don't tell, I don't tell you about Wonder, Wonder uh, Franco and, and uh, Vidal Buhan, which I feel yeah. will end up being – Robinson Cano and Derek Jeter. I mean, oh hey, dramatic. do you have that a nickname dramatic. for? Do you have a nickname for Wander yet? Because I got a suggestion if he doesn't Give have a nickname. Give me to me because I'm huge on nicknames. If you don't know me by now, I'm okay. Huge. I'm huge. Has I, anyone I, suggested Wander Vision? Wander Vision. I well, I love that show. And my my son, my sixteen <laughs> year old, is huge with with uh, with with, uh, with the Wander Vision thing and that whole you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, what was it? Infinity and that whole thing. So yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to think about that one. I'm gonna have to think <laughs> about that. I, I gave I gave uh, the kid uh, Taylor Taylor Walls uh, Wally World because I say that he's so he's so uh, he's so amusing and does so many different things. It's like being at an amusement park. So he's, Wall, he's Wally World. Um, but no, so this team, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, what what I was concerned about, they have an incredible way of retreading uh, relief pitchers. That's really been one of their oh, biggest yeah. 
thing is is how they retread. Think about it. You should do a show just solely in the last three or four years of all these like guys that you never heard of that have come through the Rays and they've recreated them and their way of, of thinking of how to pitch, especially in relief. Uh, they're really big on, you know, staying with the fastball. These guys come in, and, oh, I got to throw all my breaking pitches. And their, their mantra is like, let's establish the fastball. Let's just put it in different quadrants and establish that. Then we'll work off of that. And then they also, I've talked to these guys about, like, why are they making you guys so good? And they've told me that they're one of the better. And it's supposed to show you of human nature, Jack Vita. And human <laughs> nature is, you'd be surprised how much being lifted up just a little bit gives so much to a, to a person. And if, yeah. you, know, think of, you would think that these athletes would be like, they don't need to be patted on the back. But they told me, they said, you know what? They, they praise you more than other organizations I've been with. And these are guys that have been with two, three organizations, right? And it's not like you got to, like, you know, coddle a kid but, or, or a player. But, you know, a little more of that goes a long way. And these guys are coming in here and you're getting these Ryan Thompsons and, you know, these Chaz Rose and the, all these guys that you never heard before. <laughs> you know, Chaz is going to be coming off of the L soon, but, or the IL. But guys like uh, Springs. Springs the cast off of Boston. He had like a right. six or a seven ERA. This lefty's throwing phenomenal for us. <laughs> um, oh, uh, my favorite re- recent one. You know, I go, uh, Fire Rising. You know, I got a nickname for him. Yeah. Right? Whenever, whenever we get to say, goes, I, I say, uh, what's that song? Uh, oh, my God. I can't think of it right now. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> but I have this silly song that I sing whenever you get to say, because I'm silly on my broadcast. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out. Uh, so, so I uh, I watch the Rays games a lot. And what happens is they typically, like when it's a home game, or sometimes they'll cut to you in the studio in yeah. the middle of the game, and they say, like, get ready for the post-game show. Right. And typically, when the game ends, I watch MLB TV. They're like, all right, let's go to the post-game show with Arrestus. And then it just says, thank you for watching on yeah, the screen. Yeah, they'll so, dog. Oh, shucks. Well, I'm going to some, I'm gonna have to get you some of our post-game, funnest post-game yeah. shows ever. Yeah. We, have, we have a great time. And obviously, I cut my teeth at a high level, five years of ESPN. So I think I've learned how to bring uh, number one, you know, the information, which is most important, uh, what happened and how it happened and in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, you know, uh, videos of, of that, but also the entertainment. So ESPN still the yeah. greatest ever in the world of sports of uh, bringing you the information, but also being entertaining. So I, I, I'm glad I spent my time there. That way. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. And so um, I got to ask, I'm going to see the Rays in Cleveland in July. Okay. Uh, I want to get a Rays jersey. Which player do you think I should get? Wow. Um, if Do you think, could I beat, could Franco be up at that point? Because I could get a, a Franco. No. I don't know. I, I think they're going to move really slow with Franco. He's only twenty, yeah. man, and and they want him to get as many games in, in spring training uh, in AAA as possible. And, and if there's no rush, if there's no injury to to, to, to allow, if there wasn't now, what, when are you going to be there? Cleveland is when July is like Jul- the second to last weekend of July. Wow, so you're so it's a trade deadline. Um, yeah, 
coming up. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to get like a Willie Adamas jersey, and then the guy gets traded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. The guy, the guy to get is Meadows. I'm gonna be honest with you. Okay. Meadows is gonna be a star for many, many years. I was between Meadows, Glass, and a Rosarena. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with Glass. But I mean, I'm, I'm a hitter, so I'll, you know, I, I tend to go after. Yeah. Yeah. These cheating, <laughs> these cheating, sticky pitchers. I mean, what can you do with them? You know. <laughs> no, glad. Right. Uh, Meadows, I predicted to be a, in my pregame, my preseason thing. Which maybe you know what? I'll I'll try to send you that uh, a little preseason thing that we did. Yeah. And with like uh, the, the, the predictions of certain things, and it'll be interesting to see how they end up panning out. But I've got Meadows vying for an MVP of the American league. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. He, he went through a real bad low, but he's starting to pick up. He's in the top two or three in RBI, you know, yeah. three or four. He's on my fantasy team. So yeah, yeah. his average is going to kill him because he's never, I don't think he's going to get caught up enough to, to, to MVP, but, uh, but he, he, I think he, I, my point was that he'll be in the running, you know, in one of these years, right. he'll, he'll, he's an MVP waiting to happen. Put it that way. I think he finished like top fifteen two years ago. Yeah, two years he, he got ago. some votes. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah. some votes. No, no, no. His swing is one of the prettiest swings in in, in the game right now. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. All yeah, right, buddy. Arrestus. Hey, buddy. thank you so much for coming fun. on the show. This is a lot of fun right, and good, good question. Good, good, diverse questions. Yeah, I like I like oh, the diversity thanks. of uh, of our of our time. It was good. <laughs> Thanks. Is there anything you'd like to uh, plug or promote while you're here? Anything you'd like to point the uh, audience towards? No, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm the, there is a podcast that's going to be coming out tied to um, uh, Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association, of which I'm uh, oh, a sweet. board member and, and a co-chair on. So we're going to be putting together uh, a fun Legends kind of uh, podcast starting up soon. And, and I'll be a part of that, but uh, it's not awesome. all nailed down. Uh, in fact, I'm in a meeting about it tomorrow, so uh, I'll come back on and we'll, you know, we'll redirect that and maybe send you, right. you know, we'll send you some of our legends your way. You know, <laughs> that's that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're welcome back here anytime. <laughs> you would, you'd be okay with having like a Dave Winfield or a Brooks Robin. Yeah, you'd be all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i would be so like Thank i really you. gotta you know i got a thick guest book here yeah, like, I, I, can't, I don't know if i can squeeze in. those guys in fit, fit in a hawk harrelson <laughs> maybe your way you might be able to fit that in. <laughs> yes no i'll tell you all of that would be great you can put it on the board yes <laughs> oh that was good by the way one of my all time favorite our broadcasters and a hell of a baseball player, by the way. Let's not forget that Hawk Allison is my guy, oh, he's and uh, great. and I steal I steal a lot of his stuff, and a lot of his charisma and a lot of his style uh, from Hawk Allison. So I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Miss him, miss him dearly. Oh yeah, he was great. Um, thank you so yeah. much, Arrestus. You got it, buddy. All right, man. We'll talk. Such a great time talking with the big O, Arrestus Destrade. He was a real treat to have here on the show. I had other stuff I wanted to discuss with him, other questions to ask him. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. Uh, super grateful to have him here. I mean, it just all the more reason to have him back on the show at some point, right? Uh, I really appreciate him taking the time to come on the show. And potentially, who knows? We'll see who he can connect me with uh in the future but 
Uh, great chatting with him. Shout out to Albert Destrade for making this one happen. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation today. I'm going to be back on Sunday talking with Dario Medrano, formerly of MTV's The Challenge and Are You The One? Uh, it seems like a really nice guy. I've been in contact with him a little bit, but I haven't talked with him on a podcast or on the phone yet. Um, but yeah, excited to talk with him. He played college baseball and he did a good job on the challenge. He's a funny, cool, charismatic guy. So if you guys are interested and you want to stick around for that podcast episode, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast. So you don't miss out on that episode or our U.S. Open slash Major League Baseball coverage. A week later, when I have Garrett Powell from The Bachelorette back on the show for the second time. So, again, subscribe to the show. We got lots more great stuff coming up. Uh, Great guests. uh, Plenty of good ones coming up this summer. Um, And, hey, who knows? We'll see what what the big O is able to send our way. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would do a lot for me. Help us get the show going and uh, keep building our audience here. Uh, Go on to my website, jackvita.com. Click on one of my posts and join my email list. So that way, again, you'll get all the content when it comes your way. I've been writing over there. My Twitter is at jackvitashow. Facebook.com slash jackvitashow. Instagram is at jackvitashow. YouTube.com slash jackvitashow. Until the next time you hear from me, I just want to say once again, thank you to all for listening. Thank you to Arrestus for joining us today. Until until Sunday, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>